1: Greening with Mike Greenberg, the podcast.
0: We are getting closer and closer to a Jonathan Taylor trade. It is Canty and Carlin. I'm not going to be able to say that anymore. On ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Are you going to cry? Are you going to cry? It's our final show together, Canty.
2: There might be some tears it could be get a little misty up top you know it, it could happen it could um, happen i'm not going to lie
0: yeah i'm listen, sensitive i uh, they said it wouldn't last and it pretty much didn't so we have wow. plenty to get to today. <laughs> As Canty, of course, I'm joking. Canty is going to the morning show. Excited for him in the fall. I'll be doing, uh, he'll be with uh, Evan Cohen and Michelle Smallman. That begins on September the 5th, 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern time. And I will be working with Joe Fortenbaugh from 12 to 3 Eastern time. We're excited for those, but it's been a good run. We're going to have a lot of fun today at 888-SAY-ESPN. 888 3776 In for
1: Grainy. let's get it rolling. Here we go! Go, go. Only one place to
3: start.
4: Breaking news, ESPN's Adam Schefter is reporting. The Colts have given all-pro running back Jonathan
1: Taylor permission to seek a trade.
3: It's not like they're looking to just unload him. The Colts have just spent half a year telling Jonathan Taylor he's not worth the money.
0: Well, we saw the Colts last night and... We saw them without Jonathan Taylor, and it looks like we're going to see them without Jonathan Taylor a whole lot more. Let's listen to Dan Graziano, ESPN NFL Insider, on Get Up this morning. Things seem to be progressing.
4: The first thought when when they grant him permission to seek a trade is they're trying to prove to him, hey, that deal you want's not out there. But they may be wrong. There's enough interest here uh, to indicate that there's a possibility he gets traded. Mm-hmm. I think the relationship between him and the Colts is in a terrible place right now, and if he ends up back in Indianapolis, that's probably bad for everyone. There's also been a lot of interest. Remember, this is a 24-year-old running back, not a 28-year-old running back like Dalvin Cook or Austin Eckler, you know, who couldn't find what they wanted and ended up, you know, having to take less this offseason. This is a player that teams are interested in at least finding out what's it going to take. Miami has tried. They're continuing to negotiate. We've heard other teams on the periphery at least making calls. I think one of the most interesting possibilities that's out there is the Chicago Bears. It's a more interesting trade candidate than just any old running back would be at this time of year.
0: Wow, Canty, you got the Bears in the mix, you got the Dolphins in the mix, Uh, the Broncos have been in the mix, the Dolphins apparently are one of the teams that has been the most aggressive, and I think for Miami, that's exactly what they need to do. This feels like this is going to happen this weekend, and for any of those teams, we'll get to why specifically for the Broncos later on, this is a big deal if they get this done.
2: Oh, for sure, because Jonathan Taylor can shift the balance of power, especially in a loaded AFC when the margin for error is razor thin. So it's not a surprise to me to hear that the Miami Dolphins and the Denver Broncos are two of the three teams that have already extended offers to the Indianapolis Colts for the services of Jonathan Taylor. But here's where I will say that this is a unique situation in terms of Taylor getting what he's looking for. We all have seen the running back market be depressed because teams don't want to pay top-of-the-market prices and get less than the prime of a running back's career. But with Jonathan Taylor – He's going into his fourth year, and we've said all along that a running back's prime is the first five years of his career. So any team that would be acquiring him is guaranteed at least two years of Jonathan Taylor in his prime. Now, the reason why the Colts have put this drop-dead date of Tuesday uh, in terms of being able to consummate a deal is because that's when they have to make some roster decisions, and they've got to decide whether or not Jonathan Taylor is going to come off of the physically unable-to-perform list. I mean, uh, presumably that will be a part of the math in terms of trying to facilitate a trade. If they can't trade him, then they've got to make a decision about what his future is and how that dictates what they do with their 53-man roster. So... It's in the Colts' interest to try to move on from this situation as quickly as possible. I I just don't think that they envisioned that the market would be so robust for Taylor.
0: No, I don't think they did. I think they completely miscalculated that because of how it's gone for the running backs. We just have to go to what Jim Irsay said not all that long ago. And I just feel like for the Colts, while we talk about the first five years, if you have Anthony Richardson – You are making a mistake when you are trading away Jonathan Taylor. And the reason is, Canty, if it's just the first five years and you only have two more years of his prime, okay, I think with Taylor you're going to get a little bit more than that. And the Colts in two to three years will be absolutely ready to contend. And I still think he's in his prime at that point. 24 is not 28 like Dan said. And we get why that happened With Austin Eckler. We get why the Giants did what they did with Saquon Barkley. This is different. This is a guy that is going to take an awful lot of pressure off of your rookie quarterback. Now, if you go and you get a first-round pick because you have teams that are bidding against one another plus for Taylor, I understand it. I just don't think it's the right move for Indianapolis.
2: Well, you're operating under the assumption that Jonathan Taylor is going to play if he doesn't get a new deal and he stays put in Indy. Mm -hmm. And I I don't think that's a fair assumption because this is a guy that had offseason ankle surgery. This is a player that's missed all the training camp on the PUP list and rehabbing from said ankle injury. So it's not as if Jonathan Taylor in his representation can't drag that out into the regular season. Remember, if he doesn't get removed from the pup list on Tuesday, he's ineligible to play the first quarter of the season. He's going to miss the first four games. And who's to say he's going to be ready to come back and play after that? But I, now I don't think it's as much. As, I don't. I don't think it's as much about his physical health as it is about the contract. But there is something there that Jonathan Taylor can use to it is to his advantage. We've seen how the Colts have wielded the CBA and having a player under control because of his rookie deal. This could be Jonathan Taylor and his team working the system or gaming the system right back and saying we're not going to step foot on the field until we get the kind of deal that we're looking for. So, again, it still leaves Anthony Richardson in limbo. So, if you're the Colts, you have to decide, can we get Jonathan Taylor to play if we don't get him a new deal? And if the answer to that question is not, we're not going to get him on the field, then it makes sense to go ahead and get what you can get for him. And because there are multiple teams, we got to assume that they're going to be guaranteed a premium pick in whatever package that another team puts together for Taylor
0: Canty and Carlin, in for Grinny, presented by Progressive Insurance, insurance for motorcycles, boats, RVs, for protection on the road and on the water. See how much you can save at one eight hundred Progressive and at progressive dot com. To be clear, I think the Colts should pay him, and I, I think, and I'm not talking about you know the the massive deal where they're locked up for four and five years. I'm talking about the deal where the next three years. You know, two on top of this one at a really good number, it makes sense for him. And then you try to get out uh, after that if you need to, because the Colts need him. I, I think if you don't feel like you want to pay him and now, uh, you know, Jim Ursay has put himself in this. He's almost pigeonholed himself into not paying a running back because of his comments. That's where it gets miscalculated for me. They not only miscalculated what the market would be, they miscalculated... And they'll find this out later, how important Taylor is to them for the long term.
2: Yeah, I mean, it presents a tremendous amount of value. We talk about trying to slow things down for a rookie quarterback. Well, Jonathan Taylor helps you do that. Jonathan Taylor, because of his skill set, is somebody that's going to dictate the front and coverage of opposing defenses. Now, what I mean by that is this. If you're a defense, you got to make sure that you're gapped out. you got to make sure that you've got eight defenders in the box to make sure you take away all the running lanes for Jonathan Taylor. What that does is creates one-on-one coverage for the wide receivers on the outside. What that does is allow it to be a clean picture for the quarterback in terms of what the coverage is pre-snap. It's easy to know what coverage they're running when you see a single high safety when you come to the line of scrimmage. If you're Anthony Richardson, you know, they're either running some derivative of cover three or they're running man. And that's great because now your young quarterback knows exactly where to go with the football. So that's why Jonathan Taylor having him in the fold makes so much sense. But everybody is operating under the assumption that Jonathan Taylor is going to play without a new deal. And I just don't think that's the case because yeah. he has a
0: built-in excuse as to why he can't be on the no, I totally agree with that. But then there is the other teams that should be in the mix on him that we have heard already Miami being aggressive, Chicago, the Broncos, Mike McDaniel, the Dolphins head coach, asked about it yesterday.
3: Here, here's the thing with, the, with, with, with reports. Um, first of all... Uh, You know, I think my two-and-a-half-year-old daughter just tweeted a report. <laughs> Credence to that. Uh, like, you know, I think um, as far as that goes, it seems like... Uh,
4: what did her report say? Huh? What did her report say? That every
3: Dol- every player in the National Football League uh, is coming to the Dolphins. Because I feel like that's kind of on
0: trend. All right, first of all... Whenever Mike McDaniel's trying to explain a situation, he sounds like my buddy Tommy at 2 a.m. trying to explain physics. I mean, <laughs> I, honestly, it just does not work. Okay, but that aside, Canty, he? Um, he, he, he can respond. Why do I have this image of Tommy Boy in my mind exactly. when you just said that? <laughs> in the fraternity house, right before, we're going to show this world a thing or two. Uh, but the point is can't he? you can't make a point after that man we're I, off the I'm rails sorry. you can't make a
2: point after there is a tommy boy chris farley reference it's just not gonna work you're right it's not gonna work just yep. like indianapolis and jonathan taylor is not gonna work without more money if you're man, one, very okay. few there, there are very few things that a bag of cash can't fix big fella yeah but jim ursay really put his foot in his mouth with all of the microaggressions, the little jabs that he's been taking at Jonathan Taylor through the media and social media. And that's the danger of your owner overstepping when it comes to something like this because it's a relationship business no matter what anybody wants to tell you. And because the relationship is so fractured, putting a Band-Aid on it just ain't going to work. The whole two- or three-year extension bit that we floated out there for Jonathan Taylor – that's not going to get it done in terms of keeping him happy and keeping him in Indy. That's why I think it's more likely than not that he's wearing another team's
0: uniform during the start of this season. Okay, which of those teams should be operating with the most urgency to get him? It's got to be the Miami Dolphins. I like,
2: totally they're, agree. They're the only team where I think it's realistic for them to win a championship. As much as I respect Sean Payton, I ain't buying into the Russell Wilson thing until I I, I see it. Like, I think Russ is cooked. Yep. So until I see the, the, the Russell Wilson guy that was in the MVP conversation in Seattle, I, I can't buy into that. So I think between the three teams that have been serious suitors for Taylor, it's got to be the Miami Dolphins. It has to be.
0: It absolutely has to be. And if you're the Buffalo Bills, you should also be in the mix in that for nothing else just to let that not happen. And you need him in the worst way too. But Miami has to operate with that urgency, especially when you factor in the Tua health situation during the season, how that could fall apart on them quickly, all of a sudden, Jonathan Taylor behind Mike White does not make it feel like the Dolphins' season is over. You know what yeah. I
2: mean? No, I'm, I'm completely with you. And here's the thing. You have to operate with the assumption, if you're Miami, that you might miss Tua or for or a couple of games. Yep. Just because of the history of injuries, particularly the concussions. But if you got Jonathan Taylor, Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill, I mean, if you got all of those dudes behind Skylar Thompson or Mike White, you feel good because both of those backup quarterbacks have played significant football in the league. So you can get by. Your backup quarterback can give you a, a, a 500 record in the absence of Tua with all of those skilled players around him and the defense that he's got backing them up. So that's why I think the Dolphins have to operate with some urgency. The other thing is they got a quarterback on a rookie deal. Yep. Like, Tua's on a rookie deal, and the exercise his fifth-year option for 2024. They're not in a rush to pay Tua right now. So if you're not paying Tua
0: right now, why not reallocate those resources and pay Jonathan Taylor? I can't get Tommy Boy out of my head now. A lot of people go to college for seven years. Yeah, they're called doctors. It's Kenton Carlin on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. In just moments, if things continue the way they are trending, I might be playing receiver in the NFL. I got good hands. It's Greeny on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app.
3: H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y.
1: Greeny, the podcast.
0: Look at early season schedules. There are teams that absolutely, if they're going to have hope this year, have to get out to fast starts. It's Canty and Carlin in for Greeny. ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance, The Green List. Brought to you by Sherwin-Williams. Ask Sherwin-Williams and save 35% on Emerald products. And SuperDeck stains August 25th through the 28th. Retail sales only. Some exclusions apply. See store for details. The list is what determines who
3: matters in this business
1: list
0: top five teams that need a fast start chris can number five right now we gonna start it off in day
2: twat at three one third you know what it is the detroit Lions ain't sneaking up on nobody this year carlin they Mm. were winners of eight of their last 10 games last year and had incredible turnover luck think about this only four turnovers in their final 10 games to 16 takeaways now that's hard to repeat That same stretch, that same span during the course of the season. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Detroit had a really explosive offense last year. Their defense was a little uneven, even though they figured it out late. But again, top five offense when it came to yards per play and points per game. We'll see if Jared Goff can repeat that year over year. But looking at their schedule through their first six games, even though they start out with Kansas City and Seattle, the next four are winnable games. Atlanta, at Green Bay, Carolina, and at Tampa. Mm. At worst, the Detroit Lions should be 4-2 and two if they plan on putting the NFC North in a stranglehold. They absolutely have to get out to a fast start.
1: Number four.
2: Number four is the New York Jets. Was understood ain't got to be said. The expectations are wildly different because you have Aaron Rodgers now and you got a championship-caliber defense. We'll see if the offensive line can stay healthy, but if you've got Dwayne Brown and Makai Beckett out there to start week one, There are no excuses for this New York Jets team. Now, it's not going to be easy because out the gate, you got the Buffalo Bills at home for Monday Night Football, a chance to make a statement about who you are, and a chance to show the sense of urgency to win at the highest level. I will say this. There is no margin for error in their division or in their conference. The Jets have to get out to a fast start because if they don't, the boo birds and the pressure will build in in the Big Apple, no doubt about it. Number three. Number three is the L.A. Chargers, that brand-new, shiny contract for Justin Herbert, the highest-paid quarterback in NFL history. Carlin, only second to Deshaun Watson when it comes to guaranteed money in a contract. There are huge expectations in Southern California for this team. Injuries derailed him last year, but Brandon Staley is out of excuses, and he should be because they blew a 27-0 lead in the wildcard round of the playoffs on the road against the Jacksonville Jaguars. They hired Kellen Moore as their offensive coordinator. That should get that side of the ball fixed. But if things go left for any reason with the Chargers this year, Brandon Staley is going to be out of there. I mean, this is going to be a quicker hook than Saturday night at the Apollo. Like, that that's what we're talking about when it comes to the L.A. Chargers and Brandon Staley, their head coach, especially with Kellen Moore, one of the best and brightest young offensive minds in the game. Potentially making magic with Justin Herbert.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, is Kellen Moore going to be the guy sweeping him off the stage? Probably. It kind of feels that way. Kitty, when you say quick hook, this is a save the season type situation to fire Brandon Staley potentially? Absolutely. I could absolutely see that being the case.
2: Wow. Number two. Number two is the Buffalo Bills. Now, the Buffalo Bills second half of the season is Murderer's Row. It's ugly, big fella. I mean, if you want to run down the list of teams, just take a listen to this. You've got the Denver, at, at week 10, start, let will start at week 9. Mm. We'll start when the calendar flips to November. You've got the Cincinnati Bengals on the road, the Denver Broncos at home, the Jets at home, the Philadelphia Eagles on the road, oh. the Kansas City Chiefs on the road, oh. Dallas Cowboys at the Los Angeles Chargers, home against the Patriots, <gasps> and then on the road against Miami. Wow. That is absolutely brutal. And that's why the Bills have to get out to a fast start. I mean, when you look at the teams that they're going to be up against through their first (laughs) six games, I mean, this is is a situation where they should stack some wins. They've only got two of their first six games on the road, and Buffalo has to take full advantage of those, especially starting out the season against two non-playoff teams from a year ago. So... I I, I would say the Bills have to get out to a fast start. Otherwise, you're going to start seeing some tension continue to spill over. We saw the relationship between Steph Diggs and Josh Allen start to fray a little bit last year. The defense lost some pieces, including Tremaine Edmonds and Leslie Frazier, their D.C. from a year ago. I could see things being a powder keg in Buffalo
0: if they get out to a shaky start. Canty, you're running down that list of games in the second half of the year. That feels like a brutal combination of – I felt like I was almost getting punched in the face by James the Grim Reaper Roper, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Just a combo that – I mean, the Bills could absolutely get destroyed in that second half of the year.
2: Yeah, which is why they got to get it done in the first half. No doubt about it. But that takes us to number one.
1: Number one.
2: The Denver Broncos. How could this not be number one on everybody's list of teams that have to get out to a fast start? They absolutely have to. I mean, does anybody believe in Russell Wilson anymore? Can you find people that believe in Russell Wilson anymore? Uh, a- if they do, they ain't gonna say it with their chest. That, that that that's not a, a that's that that's not the hill you want to die on as as we see it right now. So I, I just think it's important in terms of building Russ's confidence back that this Broncos team gets out to a fast start. Now, he's going to have the benefit of a really strong defense supporting him, and that defense only got better this offseason by being able to add Frank Clark. But we've got to see what happens on the offensive side of the ball. Mike McGlinchey being nicked up during training camp doesn't help things. Uh, and then the receiver situation with Tim Patrick going down and now Jerry Judy poised to miss several weeks doesn't make things easier in terms of getting Russell Wilson out to a fast start. But we have to trust in Sean Payton. If anybody can fix Russ in this offense, it is Sean. And it is a low bar to clear in comparison to last year with Nathaniel Hackett as the head coach and the play caller.
1: Sneaky big news.
0: Can't he just slid it right in there? In case you missed it, yesterday Jerry Judy had to be carted off from Broncos practice with a hamstring injury. He's going to miss several weeks. Several Weeks Could miss the first couple of weeks of the regular season. Now, you pair that with the K.J. Hamler news, who was waived by the team because of the issue with pericarditis. They have talked about trying to bring him back, but who knows if that's going to happen. And then Tim Patrick, at the torn Achilles, he's out for the year. Canty, who exactly is Russ going to be throwing the ball to at this point? I'm, I'm starting to understand a little bit more why Sean Payton would want to get in the Jonathan Taylor mix there. Oh, no doubt, because you need explosive
2: playmakers. Think about this, man. You, you, you've got Cortland Sutton. Marquez Callaway. who used to play for the New Orleans Saints. Okay, but, yeah. but that's about it. Yeah. Like, there, there, there are no explosive elements to your offense. And so you like the, the addition of P. Ryan to go along with Javante Williams. But, I mean, th- those guys aren't special. Right. They aren't guys that defensive coordinators are circling at the beginning of the week in the game plan meetings. They're just not. But Jonathan Taylor is. Number 28, if he's in your backfield, he changes everything, and he takes a tremendous amount of pressure off of Russ. And beyond that, it plays right into what Sean Payton wants to do, which is punch people in the mouth. For all of the love that Sean Payton gets as an innovator on the offensive side of the ball and how he got Drew Brees' career to ascend to a Hall of Fame Heights, Sean wants to run the football. He is a Bill Parcells disciple. I was with him in Dallas when he was an OC for Bill Parcells. I know what Sean wants the offense to be. I know what he wants the identity of the football team to be. And it's going to be through the run game. But the guys that they have in the backfield aren't special. Jonathan Taylor is a home run waiting to happen every single time he touches the football. And that absolutely makes Russ better. But it makes that team a lot better in, in an AFC that's crowded with everybody vying for, you know, you know, wild card spots. So I, I just I just feel like that's a situation. If the Denver Broncos want to be firmly entrenched as the second best team in the AFC West and want to have a shot at getting into the postseason, you need to add a guy like Jonathan Taylor, especially with the injuries that you're going to have to try to work around early in the season.
0: This, this is all just horrible news right now for Russ, and I don't know where this is headed for him in his career. Actually, I do. Listen to Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN NFL front office insider, yesterday on Get Up. I would be shocked if Russell Wilson was the starter for 17 games this season, and here's why. The conversations that Sean Payton is having with ownership is year one is about culture and accountability. It's Bill Parcells' approach, and he's going to see Russell Wilson as an opportunity to hold players accountable. And when there's a bump in the road Greeny, what's going to happen is he's really talking to... Jerry Judy, Garrett Bowles, the young nucleus of this team, to say the standard is the standard. And if I bench Russell Wilson, I can bench you. You said it earlier, Cooked. Uh, I'll say it now. It's been over uh, for the last year or so with Russ at least. He got the contract because the Broncos were desperate when they made that trade. I just don't see where this is going to get better for Russ, and I don't see where it's going to get fixed. And Sean Payton took this job knowing he was going to have more job security than Russ, and that's saying something when you get a $245 million contract extension last year. But he does. He does. And- well, well here, here, here's what I'll say, just to interject real quick. Russ has
2: done the right things this offseason. Sure. Right? Sean Payton stepped in. He says, we're going to get bit, rid of this business with you having an office on the second floor where the coaches and front of office personnel are supposed to be. You got a locker just like the other 52 guys in the locker room. Okay, accepting that is step one. They got rid of all of the little fringe benefits that they gave Russell Wilson's team, like additional parking spots and all of that kind of nonsense. A step in the right direction, all right? Russell Wilson dropped 15 pounds this offseason. When you saw him in the preseason in that first game against the Cardinals, even though he didn't look great in terms of his production, he looked great in terms of his physical stature. He looks like the Russell Wilson that we came to know and love in Seattle in terms of his overall size. He didn't look pudgy. He looked slim and fit and ready to go. I give him credit for all of those things. But all that does is get you a ticket to the dance. All that does is position you. You got to still go out there and execute when the games start to matter in week one. And we're going to find out real early whether or not this marriage between Russ and Sean is going to work. Because Russ made his name with off-schedule plays, second reaction plays, being able to ad-lib. That ain't Sean Payton. Sean Payton is precision. Sean Payton is hit your back foot, get the ball out of your hand. Sean Payton is play point guard in my offense. We'll see if Russ can play with the level of discipline that Sean requires at the quarterback position. If he can, then Sean is going to get the most that Russ has to offer at this stage in his career. If he can't, then yeah. I think it's a real possibility, like Mike Tannenbaum said, like Lewis Riddick co-signed, that we see Jared Stidham in the second half of this season.
0: Yeah. Can't he, I said this two months ago, that by week 10, Russ and Sean Payton are basically going to be at each other's throats. And, mm. and the future's not going to be in Denver for Russ. I, I commend him, too, for everything he did in the offseason. He's going to look great on the red carpet next to Sierra. He's going to look amazing. Can I, can I ask you a question? Yeah. If
2: it doesn't work out in Denver this year, are we relegating Russell Wilson to bridge quarterback status?
0: I don't know what it, it, else he, it, it, I don't know what else he is because this is not just what's happened in Denver. This was happening the last couple of years in Seattle, and the Broncos just chose not to look at that. With a new owner, didn't know what he was doing. Yeah, I mean it's been trending
2: this way for a few years now, and so I guess my my question is: Does Russell Wilson become the quarterback that's something to do when there's nothing to do? Yeah, kind of like Baker Mayfield with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Does yeah. it get to that? Does it get to that point with a guy? That we felt like had
0: a Hall of Fame trajectory with the start of his career. Mitch Trubisky, three <laughs> I mean, honestly, that's well, guy.
2: He play, he's played. He's in two Super Bowls in one. No, no. Months. I
0: just meant in terms of what his
2: role going to look like. I'm not. Yeah, not but that, that's what he's a, that 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 is yeah. that is an incredible fall from grace. It and is. if it is, it's the Great Train Robbery Part Two, featuring Pete Carroll. You remember what they call that with Jimmy Johnson and the Herschel Walker yep. trade, the Great Train Robbery? Mm-hmm. I mean, this would be. this would be the modern-day equivalent of that if that's, in fact, where Russell Wilson's career ends up. And so there's a lot at stake for Russ in this one year. Not only are we talking about his mortality as a starting quarterback, as a face-of-the-franchise guy in the NFL, but how is he remembered? Does he become one of those guys that's immortalizing Canton, or does he become one of those guys that say, remember when that guy was pretty good in Seattle? Mm -hmm. That's where we are with Russell Wilson. That's how much pressure is on him in Denver this upcoming season.
4: For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call ClickGranger.com or just stop by. Now, let's talk about the play of the week, the pressure to follow up hypnotic and cognac weighing heavy on the team.
1: Greenie, the podcast.
0: little black and yellow. Kenny and Carlin, ESPN Radio, and on the ESPN app. Technically, it's black and gold, Canty, for the Steelers. Yeah,
2: but it does. I mean, listen, this is, let's just let
0: Wiz Khalifa have it. <laughs> it's black and
2: yellow, black and yellow, black and yellow. Well, come on, man.
0: They looked pretty good last night. In fact, Kenny Pickett, he has been in the zone in the preseason. In the zone, brought to you by AutoZone. Get in the zone, AutoZone. He is the first quarterback to post a perfect. Passer rating in the preseason with a minimum of 15 passes since at least 2016. 158.3. 13 out of 15. 199 yards. Two touchdowns. Steelers look good.
2: Yeah, they look good. I mean, they used to have the killer bees with Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown. Now it's the killer (laughs) peas. Like, I mean, it it feels like that. Like, like Kenny Pickett and George Pickens. That's going to be a special connection. But that's not the only connection that Kenny Pickett has. I mean, he he threw a dime to Deontay Johnson down the sideline on the fade route on the first drive. I mean, you know what Pat Fryer moves can do. They call him Baby Gronk, for goodness sakes. Then you got a nice one-two punch in the backfield with Najee Harris and Jalen Warren. So... From a skill position standpoint, the Pittsburgh Steelers are ready to roll. The biggest question I have is what that offensive line is going to look like yeah. when they're not pushing around somebody's second-team defense. No, think- that's the biggest question. Broderick Jones has yet to crack the starting lineup, so we don't know what that's going to be. Um, but, but that's my biggest concern for the Steelers as we see it going into the upcoming season. We know their defense is going to be rock solid. They always play good defense under Mike Tomlin, and extension of that is their special teams, which is always solid. The biggest question is if if the offensive line can hold up for Kenny Pickett to operate, if they can, then this is a team that will be in the postseason.
0: Uh, Look, you can't bet against them. And having seen them later in the year, it was getting better. The offensive line, I'm not going to say it was there yet, but it was getting better. I love the fact that they added Isaac Samalu. I think he's a really underrated guard in the league. And look... Mason Cole is solid, Dan Moore is solid, and and Broderick Jones gets an opportunity. Uh, I think that was a terrific move on their part. It it all, I think, is headed in the right direction after it was a complete disaster, I'd say, two years ago. You know, before that, for a good two to three years, they could not get that thing together. Here is Mike Tomlin last night.
2: You know, I I think the growth is probably associated with, with being him and not necessarily the surface-level things associated with the position, but the leadership things, the communication things, the bringing people together things. Uh, when you got a higher level of comfort in terms of what it is that you're doing, then those
1: things probably happen more. And so that is significant. It's not play-related, but it is.
0: It's specifically on Pickett, and he looks good, can No, he looks great. And so it
2: leads me asking the question, if that offensive line does round into form, what's the ceiling for this Pittsburgh Steelers squad? Yeah. Like, it's, it's always felt like this is a team at its best that could be maybe 10, 11 wins and be the second best team in the AFC North. Is that fair to say, based on what we've already seen?
0: It's not. They're not winning the division.
2: No, they're not. They're not. They're not. They're They're not. not because you, you need Cincinnati and Baltimore to just completely fall flat on their face. And I think it's highly unlikely that both of them do that. I think there's a potential for one to do that,
0: but not both. Two days ago, we're talking about the potential. I don't think it's going to happen. But of all four teams in the AFC North making the playoffs. I don't think it's going to happen because I don't think the Browns are going to get there. But I think you've got a minimum of three in the playoffs from the AFC North. There's no reason for me to think that way uh, otherwise. Here's Tomlin uh, once again. Uh, That was about Pickett, obviously, earlier. This is whether or not he's encouraged by the preseason.
1: You can't get enough of these opportunities in stadium. Uh, You work your tail off to simulate it in a practice setting. It is what it is. And so we'll comb through it like we always do in an effort to get better. And then we'll
2: transition our attentions to, to the next component of this process, reducing our roster and I don't really need validation. I just think it's difficult to box without sparring. Preseason is an opportunity for us to spar and sharpen our sword for the battle. I love that. Well, awesome. well, here's the thing that they got working in their favor too, because they are in the toughest division in all of football, but Pittsburgh as a part of the AFC North is also playing against, what is it, the AFC South yeah. and the NFC West? That helps. It that helps. That. I mean, think yeah. about it. You've got Houston. You've got Tennessee. You've got Indy. You've got, Arizona. uh, the Los Angeles Rams. You've yep. got the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, hell, that's, that's five wins right there, Carla. Yep. You should be able to beat them people. Yep. And you want, you mean to tell me I, Mike Tomlin's not good for at least a 500 division record? Of course he is. Of course he is. He'll find ways to do that. So you are, so that's at eight wins. So, I mean, I, I don't want to. I don't want to play the game of going through the schedule and checking off the W's and the L's. Right. But because of Mike Tomlin's ability to find a way to coach above the talent level, the X's and O's,
0: I just got to believe that this team, once we get to December, is going to be in the playoff mix. Canty, the one thing I would caution, though, is a lot of people are getting excited at Kenny Pickett, and I understand that because it does look different than last year. He looks a lot more comfortable in – the offense and confident in what he's doing. I'm not going to predict the Jalen Hurts jump yet, though. I'm not going to predict that as of yet. It's still, there's still a lot of work to be done. The one thing that helps him is that Kenny Pickett played a ton of football in college. I think he played something like 45 or 48 games, you know, in college. So I expect... Uh, that that will help him along quite a bit here, but and he's
2: 25 years old too. Yes, yes. like that matters. Like he's I mean, older. he's not the typical second year quarterback. He's more mature, like second year quarterback. But he's not making that jump yet.
0: 24. This dude is 25 years old. Yeah, I don't expect him to make that jump yet, though.
2: Well, I mean, we could say that, but another guy that played, you know, that played at advanced age in his sophomore season was Joe Burrow, and look how great Joe Burrow was in his second year. And I ain't saying Kenny Pickett gonna be Joe Burrow. But I think Kenny Pickett can show a tremendous amount of growth from what we saw in the second half of year one in comparison to what we see from him in year two. And remember, the Steelers got on a the roll their last seven games. I mean, uh, I mean they won uh, seven of their last nine games. Kenny Pickett started in six of those games. So I just, I just got to believe that he's going to have an opportunity to build on his knowledge base from the system, have some confidence because of the report he's been able to develop with the players that they have in that locker room right now. This, the arrow is pointed in the right direction for Kenny Pickett, and as he goes, so goes the Steelers this upcoming season.
0: Yeah, I'll say this for you, too. You're better at marketing than Cam is. I mean, you had the killer peas. That works for Pickett and Picketts. Cam comes up with the pick boys. I think it's good. Yeah. Uh, Cam, at this point, I would say keep your day job. No need to go into marketing.
1: Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio or watch the show through the watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up, weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.